Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's putting its tippity-tap dance shoes on. I'm Alex. (laughs) When you walk through the darkness, there's something up ahead, a light, bright spot. But is it? It is. It's milk. Milk. That gross drink that we had to drink when we were kids. And now it tastes weird when we're grown up. And the milk is coming. The milk is coming. Take it easy on milk, the naysayers say. Leave milk alone. No. I'm coming for you, milk. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 7, Chapter 124, Dirty Dancing. Brief bit of recap before we get into it. As you probably already know, the whole town of Riverdale is back in the good old 1950s. A sweeter, simpler, way more repressive time. Just like a real bad time for America, which is, you know, Uh. the point of everything. That's what's going on. So a couple of things are going on with characters. The big cliffhanger at the end of the last episode was that Betty and Archie were standing at their opposite windows, taking off their clothes for each other, giving each other a little peep show. When Hal, Betty's father, came into her room and Frank, Archie's uncle, came into his room, Shut all that down. We get very deferring takes on how people are treated in ways you might expect in this episode, but this picks up on that in a big way. The other big thing that this picks up on, and which we're missing in the last episode, is that Kevin and Clay are kind of dating. We haven't really had a firm establishment of that, but at the very least, they are openly gay with each other, but Kevin is obviously, because of the time, closeted to pretty much everybody else. Betty knows, weirdly, Alice Cooper knows, that doesn't really play into this episode. Um, and a couple of other people certainly start to suspect or know this episode, but this is a very big Kevin episode, so important to know the place that he is at. Uh, and what else? Oh, yeah, Veronica uh, had a very big hand in the whole Archie Betty peep show thing. Her parents, Hiram and Hermione, are TV stars on a TV show called Oh Miha. Did I get it right this time? I nailed it. Yeah, good. I I definitely wanted to say Miha, but I didn't. Why did you? Why did you? 
Anyway, I, it, it gets mixed up in my head. I have very specific dyslexia only for the that title. Anyway, they are off in California. They're big stars. Veronica is living on her own in Riverdale, and that plays out in a big way this episode. Um, and uh, then there's also the Blossom family. Yeah. Great. Yep, I mean, I think the first thing the first thing we have to call out is start with the single most important cultural product from this episode, a uh, a parody or homage, however you feel, to the Nicole Kidman AMC opening <laughs> uh, speech that she does. Veronica yes. does it in her commercial for uh, for the Babylonium. And it I just shout. I think this is going <laughs> to blow up online. Shouts to them for doing this. They actually already posted it, which I was kind of bummed yeah. about. Uh, but I think, yeah, after this episode, so much fun, so hilarious. I completely forgot about Jughead's storyline, which plot wise yes. for the overall season is probably the most important thing because Jughead is basically creating Archie Comics, is what's going on this episode. Yeah. Uh, Super nice. Yeah, he has been shut down by the school, or at least the school is trying to shut down him writing horror comics. He is talking to Brad Rayberry, who is becoming his mentor over the course of the episode, to try to help him fight back on this. And ultimately, they hatch a plan. Um, Oh, I I got into recapping the whole Jughead plotline instead of setting it up. I don't know what's going on. Whatever, guys. Anyway, my point being that, like, uh, he's been writing comics. He's been creating Archie comics. I guess we could get into the Jughead thing just to start it off here. Um, So he has been kind of ignoring Ethel, who was accused of murdering her parents very briefly, but cleared and then sent to Sisters of Quiet Mercy. She gets yeah, we got that out of mention here. Uh, but everybody sort of forgotten. escape that. Like, why is nobody's doing on that? What happened? I don't know. Poor Ethel. I feel very bad yeah. for her every time. They're like, oh, yeah, she's over there. Don't worry about it. But uh, particularly Jughead has been very busy writing comics for Pep Comics. And also at the same time, it seems like Werther's and Featherhead and Clifford Blossom's plan to distract everybody by pointing their attention towards comics as the ultimate evil in America today and take the direction off of the Bugs murders seems to kind of work because nobody's paying attention to it. No whatsoever. one's talking about it. even yeah. our heroes have uh, left that behind. But as you teased in the opening, Justin, it comes back in a big way where Brad Rayberry, after he's decided to finally work on his novel with Jughead's encouragement, he's helped Jughead get out of this quagmire by pretending to work on Super Duck, a real comic book that yeah. was published pre-Archie Comics and then in Archie Comics on the back of Jughead Comics. Uh, he's working on that while secretly writing horror comics under a pseudonym, so he's doing all of those things. Brad Rayberry opens his door and an evil milkman who is not Hal Cooper and no. uh, nobody we've seen before. It, it might be somebody, but I didn't recognize them. Yeah, I tried to look. I literally leaned into the screen yeah, like, to look so what? hard at that face, and I was like, no idea. Uh, yeah. So seems like a new killer or a maybe a, a sort of a an assistant killer, an mm-hmm. intern he killer. He definitely wasn't the old in. guy who was the actual milkman, which is a good relief. Unless the old milkman is drinking people's blood to regain his youth. Oh, oh yeah. good call. That, good that call. Or according to Pete, milk's really good, and leave milk alone, says Pete. Hey, hey, do you still drink milk, Pete? Maybe sometimes. Not, <laughs> not in, like, coffee, but, like, a glass of milk. You'll have a cold glass of you milk. You have a glass of milk. Maybe sometimes. When I go no, it's like, fine. I'm not fun of me. I'm just honestly it surprised. It seems like I'm, uh, you are. I, my dad, when, uh, you know, we have lunch, he pours a glass of milk. So 
It's, like, fine. it's, fine. it's, fine. it's like comfort having... of home type thing. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Yeah. I think for me personally, um, my milk journey, I the idea of drinking my an entire glass journey. of milk is insane to me. It's, <laughs> it's, a it's like drinking it's, soup. It's a tumbler, it's a tumbler <laughs> glass. I, I totally agree. I don't know when the switch happened, but it was definitely when we yeah. were growing up. It's like you got to drink like five glasses of milk a day. Go, go, go. Dude, well, drink you an entire drink five glasses? Home. Yeah, milk was like what you have at dinner. The amount of milk I yeah. drank. And then I, at one point I was like, what am I doing? And I love, don't get me wrong. I love cheese. I'll eat cheese anytime. But yeah, if I wake up in the morning cheese. and there's a piece of cheese in my mouth, I'm happy. But the idea of, <laughs> the idea of putting milk you in a glass. You would be worried about where that cheese came from. or No, what? no, no questions, no notes. I got a cheese mouth. I'm waking up with cheese mouth. Yeah, I'm into it. All right. So the Shughead storyline, actually, I want to take a quick step back because I was pretty negative about last week's episode, and this one totally worked for me, and I what? was trying to think, of, well, here, I'm going to get into... This was an emotionally hard episode and, like, really kind of upsetting at moments. What are you well, talking I, I about? I think so. Like, In a good this, way. This is, first of all, without spending too much for time who? on it, I will establish, Pete, remember this discussion that we have had multiple times across many podcasts that I think something is good when I can emotionally relate to it and it is hard and challenging in that way. That is what I'm yeah. saying. Not good as in positive so much as well done. Okay? Can we get past that part That's of the discussion? A great. Well, that little yelly thing that we always do. Uh, what yeah. I was saying, just in terms of the structure, I, I was trying to figure it out. Like this also has multiple trades running at the same time. We have the Veronica storyline. We have the Jughead storyline. We have the Archie storyline, which dovetails with the Betty storyline, but they're also kind of on their own thing. So I was trying to figure out what worked about this episode that didn't work for me about the last episode. And I think it was the Riverdale grandstand thing that brought everything mm. together. Like it was this thing that you could check in on that had different characters showing up and interacting acting at different times. You also had the fact that Veronica and Betty and Archie's storylines all tied into each other. And you also had, it's not the biggest mix-em-up in the world, but having Archie in a storyline with Kevin really felt like fresh and new, or at least something that we haven't seen in a very long time. So that that well, felt good to me. Yeah, I agree. And what I would say about it is it felt like last episode, everyone was sort of struggling alone, almost purposefully so. And in this episode, everyone was connecting. And mm -hmm. I think that's that for me, that's a difference where I'm like, when the show is everyone's going away, when I'm like, just talk to your friends, they're all your friends. Talk to all those <laughs> friends you have. The whole point is your friends. The adults are all terrible. They want you to yes, drink milk. That's bad and gross. Oh exactly. God. Those milk pushing adults. Oh uh, get God. off the tea and live. Talk to your friends. Uh, but get that's off why the I tea think... to get on your feet. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I thought that's you were I saying, said. have a tea. Don't have milk. Have some tea. Have yeah. a tea. That's uh, a way to be. Wow. All right. Drink catchphrases over here. The, this episode, everyone connecting and sort of taking care, care of each other, especially Archie, who is sort of like, I love the moment later in the episode when he and Betty are talking and he stands up and is like, you know what? Fuck all this. I hate all this. <laughs> and it, it really sets this, the, the tone of like youth rebellion, mm -hmm. which the show has done a lot. But this feels like the most cohesive. And the fact they're in the 50s give them, gives them something great to push against. Yeah, it's it's this repression that everybody is dealing yeah. with in different ways and having it targeting them in different ways. I know we're jumping all over the place, but like that ties into every single storyline, every single storyline. It plays out there in very different ways. I think it plays out very clearly. You see it in different ways in that scene that is 
so hard to watch, but sets up the storyline so perfectly when Betty and Archie walk into the classroom ah, after everybody yes. knows about the peep show. And Betty gets like slut shamed. Shamed. Yeah. Yeah. shamed. Shamed. Like straight up shamed. She feels awful. And then Archie comes in and they're hooting and hollering for him. It's awful. Which it's, it's awful to watch. Archie clearly feels very uncomfortable with it and is looking directly to Betty to see how she's feeling and she's looking away. So they're not able to connect on that. They're also clearly feeling very nervous because they've told not to really spend time with each other. But I thought it was a very challenging way to present these characters. And also, frankly, I know we're making fun of the adult characters, but a very challenging way to present the adult characters as well, particularly Sheriff Keller. Keller, yeah. 100%. Dude, that was awful. It's Not good. again, it's like it's very hard to watch. It feels like yeah. it, he is so over the I, again, we're jumping all over the place. All but, over the place. But I, I do think like the sense of theme that goes throughout is interesting to talk about where you expect a modern Tom Keller to be like Yep, I'm proud of my son. Kevin, he's gay. Sounds good. Let's go. Uh, and I'm the sheriff. Let's all have a good time. Or, you know, whatever he's going to yeah. do in the modern era. Here, he finds these bodybuilding <laughs> magazines and he immediately is like, I don't know what to do about this. Like, this is not yeah. the way that you're supposed to be. He signs him up for basketball. We get Twilight Twist as an old whore that he sends him to to, like, lose his virginity. The whole thing is very upsetting and particularly upsetting because we see this distance between the Tom Keller that we know and this version of Tom Keller. Well, and I think it's, it's emblematic of the time. And like, i I didn't grow up in the, um, in the fifties. Pete did. Well, he can tell right. us about it. Yeah. Pete, you, <laughs> were a, you were a grandpa in the fifties, right? I was a prospector. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right. Prospector. That's right. You missed it. The gold rush was uh, almost a hundred years before that, I believe, but, um, well, I just got to find the right spot. <laughs> it's uh, out there. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna uh, that's really funny. Uh, but I, I do think it is. They're putting these characters in sort of the roles of people that were that way in the time. Uh, at least, especially in the way that film and television portray like real dramatic presentations of the way people acted and the things that parents did as what they were like, I'll handle this. I'll send my uh, my son to a sex things. worker to try to like like stop him from being gay. And like that, all of that is uh, feels like even though it's not the the Sheriff Keller that we know I, I think it's good. It, it's hard to watch, but I think it, it really supports the story. And I think it's making the kids rise up. Like you said, Archie, like he sees the way that the class shames Betty and that makes him that just turns him on, opens him up to every all the issues going on. And I think that's why he's able to reach out to Kevin and Clay and and connect with them. Even the one that I was wrestling with a little bit was Uncle Frank, because what he says towards the beginning of the episode feels contradictory with the whole reason ostensibly he's there. He comes there to knock heads. That's how he's introduced, because Cheryl and Archie supposedly went all the way. They did not go all the way. Nothing actually really happened there. Um, but that's why, uh, why he's there. And then at the beginning of this episode, he's like... Well, he has some like, like a ripe, voluptuous peach of a peach. girl, like Betty. Showing so interest in that kitten. Yeah. Yeah. So gross. But I think exactly like you're saying, Justin, this is showing the hypocrisy of this era yeah. that Frank is there like, you got to be a stand up man, Archie. That's what you got to do. But hey, how can you help yourself? You got your bad urges. Come on. You know, lead into well, that. Yeah. Don't throw it, the it's come also, on in there. Don't. 
Well, but I do think that's the it's like the good old boy network. And mm-hmm. I, I think like the idea that it was like, uh, it's good that you like Betty, but don't like her too much by taking your clothes off in the window. Like, it's just so much. Yeah, but stop, also start. lose your virginity to this tout whore that everybody loses their virginity to. That's cool. But don't do this other thing. So I, I do think this is the. We've talked about this a lot, but this is the overall thing they're playing with this season, and people have been questioning, like, why are they set in this earnest comic book-style 50s? But this is the theme of Riverdale. This is the whole idea of Riverdale, is that this stuff is always there. Either it's below the surface, or it's, like, right above the surface, or it's right in your face, like it is a lot of the stuff in this episode. It's showing you that... You know, Jughead in the first episode of the season is like, oh, wow, we're back in this pure, more innocent era. There's no murder and sex. And sure, it's like not quite there yet, but it's still there anyway. And it's always there and it's always been there. And I'd be curious if they make the connection to that repression is what leads to the the darkness that the series has been talking about for forever is like this way of being makes people you know, the, that level of repression pushes them to do extreme things. Like, and I think that's an interesting connection point because like when we see uncle Frank here, he, you know, he's like, I'm a normal guy, but he looks insane. He's so like the way he shot, he's like, his eyes are bulging out. He's got this crazy mustache. He's wearing just a red sweater, no undershirt. I was like, this guy is on the edge. Somebody get this guy. And he's like, I'm normal. Everything's great. Archie, this is great. And it's like, this is, I needs to be, be, freed somehow yeah uh to get back to it a little bit um let's get back to the jughead storyline that's yeah get back to what you you kind of i don't know know. this is interesting to talk about like i i I appreciate the fact that we're seven seasons and seven i mean if we want to just talk about all the bad stuff and then the locker room stuff was also awful and uh julian has been such a uh, piece of shit throughout so uh, they kept that storyline going yeah you seem really sad pete are you okay well, it was uh, it was Do you not a, nice, a fun a episode. Like you guys are like, yeah, better? repression and uh, you know trying not to in support of repression. Still power over children. This is I great. I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> but I think the point is, it's like it's showing our. This is an episode where you know our heroes are sort of losing. They're pushing at the borders that they're stuck in, and like. I know that's frustrating to watch as a fan, maybe, but like it helps. It's the journey. It's the hero's journey they're going on. And like, yes, that locker room scene was awful, but I think it's that Julian is a portraying that everyday hatred that like people grappled with back then and are still under the thumb of now. So I think we got to see that. It's important to see this like casual, rich, privileged dude coming in and just like, you know, getting after people who are just trying to be themselves. That's that's what the show is about. Yeah. And we talked about this last episode. I am sure a turn with Julian is coming. I don't think it's going to forgive yeah. everything that he's done, but we're absolutely going to find out the way why he is the way he is. The other thing yeah. that I'll say on the other end of the spectrum, in between all of the heartbreaking, hard to watch stuff in this episode, it's also very funny. Like, yeah. you've mentioned this a lot, Justin, but I cannot believe the new iterations on insane language that they came up with. Oh, it's hitting. This episode is great. So Dude, I was, at some point some, I was like, what? Like, In yeah. the first minute, I think Jughead says the word skivvies like 5,000 times. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I'm like, I don't even know what this word means anymore. But uh, just... This word has lost all meaning now. But I wrote down so many lines in the episode that made me laugh out loud. Biggest just load a, of hu- 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 
That yeah. was hilarious. Uh, yeah. Just Lily Reinhardt when she's talking to Alice towards the beginning of the episode, and Alice is like, "What were you thinking?" The way that she's playing it, and she's just sort of like throwing a little snit like a teen. Very funny. Um, you don't want to see me frosted, young lady. Uh, uh, if I ever oh, catch you saying then, hello to that redheaded pervert, <laughs> yeah, know. it was great. Yeah, but then what did she say in the episode? Archie was like, "You should have seen Betty. She was so frosted." Yeah, that was yeah. Cut the gas. That's it. the biggest load of who we have heard in my life. Yeah, the line did that Alice had was like sticking your pinky out at jail. I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> You're just making shit up. <laughs> it's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and all, so many good things. Uh, I don't know. I could just read through a bunch of lines. Maybe we'll leave that for the end. Uh, to get back to the Jughead storyline, which is the main plot storyline, I also love in the final season, I had somebody hit me up. I think it was on Tumblr being like, I'm not into this Jughead storyline at all. I am personally very into this Jughead storyline, and I think a large part of it, obviously we love comics, and that's the reason we started talking about the show to begin with. The fact that they are really diving into actual history with comics and having Jughead, like we were joking about earlier, invent Archie comics from the ground up, essentially, is yeah. really fun and interesting. I am enjoying watching this process happen. I am a little worried because, like, there is a Jughead in another timeline whose job is just generating comic ideas and uh, story ideas, and now he, he, in this iteration, has to crank out two sets of uh, product at the same time so nobody is the wiser. I'm, I'm a little worried about Jughead's stress level around writing and you how that he- might just all tear it all together. You think he can't handle Super Duck? I feel like Super <laughs> Duck is sort of a light lift. How dare a, you, sir? How dare you? Super Duck is We've just watched, as challenging as a We've watched seven comic. seasons of the show. I guarantee you, two Super Duck stories in, he's going to be like, Super Duck is sitting at his old-timey typewriter typing a story about Super yeah. Duck. Here we go. What else happened to me today? Super Duck is Archie, dot, dot, dot. Or yeah, Duckhead, the great relationship that we're trying to the, maybe Pete, you can get on board with Duckhead. Yeah, you shipping Duckhead, baby? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just called you baby. That was weird. <laughs> you meant that when you said baby. That wasn't <laughs> Italian music. Just to be we clear, got, that wasn't. Let's cut that part out, yeah. man. I love you. Caught yourself saying <laughs> baby. <laughs> I love that. See, we've been podcasting a lot lately, and I, the connection is strong. Oh my it's God. really beautiful. <laughs> Ship and Duckhead, baby. I want that on a T-shirt, you meet a sweatband. I want that right above my forehead. Oh, man, we got him. We got him. Yeah, I'm done. You guys do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> the sweatband is what got me. Um, I love the relationship with Brad <laughs> Rayberry. I think that uh-huh. developed really nicely. And uh, what do you think's going on with that milkman at the end? <laughs> well, you know, given the, um, uh, the the things in milk, it's sort of a death sense to even be delivered that much milk late at night. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. I do. You think this is the actual milkman murderer or do you think this is like you were saying part of a larger network of things? Well, it, uh, going back to what you said about the ju- some people being frustrated with the Jughead story, I think the Jughead story is like the big story at this season. We have a lot of the smaller things that are happening in the episode by episode stuff, pushing all the relationships down the line. But this is the big stuff. So I think it is like a larger 
Then you got Pete's crying. A larger. <laughs> Pete, uh, I, I can't you. look because if I look at Zelbin's head, all I picture is a headband uh, <laughs> that says "You ship and dug it, baby." Yeah, and it, I can't. I try and. Uh, that's what I want. I'm just that's what I want to teach. I, we. We need to make the headband that says E-Ship and Duckhead, baby. Put it on Alex. Take a picture of that and put that on a T-shirt. And that's what I want to wear. Okay. I'll just write that down real quick. Great, great, great. Yeah, I have to apologize. I didn't do the Hang In There Bughead poster that we were talking about a couple of weeks back. That was just beyond my Photoshop skills. If anybody else wants yeah. to try that, please go ahead. But oh my uh, God. We can make it happen. But um, what I was saying, I do think this great connection between Jughead and Ray Berry, which I love, I feel like Ray Berry will be found dead. And that's going to push Jughead from the still keeping his comic stuff up. He's going to be onto this investigation, his mentor. It's going to be heartbreaking. The only way, like, he, is Ray Berry well, going to escape the this murder? The good news is I think that once Jughead discovers what happened, it's going to kind of get him – kind of in detective mode and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. kind of solving crimes, which I'm hoping will then pull Betty, uh, you know, uh, uh, away from the, you know. One track mind over here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it could, at the very least, it's going to suck Jughead into that, which I think will eventually suck everybody else in if that's the way that the yeah. season is going. Um, I don't think Brad is going to necessarily make it out of that. He was too happy at the end of the episode for everything. 100%. Oh, yeah. he was like, as soon as I saw him at Pops, I was like, oh, God, oh, this yeah, is going to oh, go horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, and while we're talking, yeah, before we ahead. move on, like, I love the scene where Brad and uh, Jughead go into Featherhead and Werther and, like, Brad oh drops the God. hammer, Supreme Court, yeah. all that stuff was great. Because I was like, he's making him sign a pledge to not wear it at comics. Slight overstep from these two old dorks in their <laughs> principal's <laughs> office. Yeah, but I was, also, oh, God. Yeah, I was just, like, worried, like, you guys are going to push them too hard with this. But, man, to see Jughead's face, like, he was so happy. He lit up, like, and he was, uh, it was just such a fun moment for him. It was great. And, like kind of, like, hero step up for him like that. Yeah, great wins for Jughead. And the uh, only other thing I want to say is the idea that Werther is like, this super duck seems cool for now. Like he's going <laughs> to sit in his office reading super duck like, every day. Looking what is up with this duck? But like, listen, I, talking about the real history for a second and then we could move on. That's what they did. Like it wasn't necessarily all comics, you know, some comics are okay. Every comic was slapped with a Comics Code Authority seal. They had to go through it. They had to be approved from your Super Doc to your EC, horror comics, and everything in between. So you mentioned Betty. Why don't we jump over to her storyline? Her whole thing is uh, after the Peep Show last episode, like we said, she is slut-shamed. She's frustrated and angry about it. And Allison Howell hosts a dancing school for nerds and squares, as I believe she calls uh, it. A dancing show, yeah. Yeah, uh, called American... Uh, Sorry, Riverdale Grandstand. And Betty has to it's go there. It's not American Bandstand. It's not right. what it's called. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to dance. Ultimately, she gets sent to the audience due to some other actions. And then during not the twist, but the twirl, the twirl, the twirl she ends up twirling and showing her underwear, which gets her kicked off the show, which is exactly what she wanted, but also brings her directly in front of Werther's at the end of the episode, asking, what are we going to do with you? And people I, get murdered after they uh, go into that office. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> uh, how, careful how you say that on Riverdale. That usually means actual murder. 
Uh, but I, I love this Betty storyline, top to bottom. I thought the uh, that she is is being shamed at the beginning of this episode, so she is like not happy, obviously. But she finds her way through and pushes back against the highest uh, her parents in the in the highest stakes way possible. And she enjoys it at the end. She's walking down the hallway. Everyone's boss Betty, man. She's got a little smile. Yeah, boss yeah, Betty. Yeah. But I want to start with like the idea that they're like Betty. This peep show is out of control. You're punished. You're going to go on our dancing TV show every day. <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, okay. Parent, the parenting choices in this episode are all over the place. It's, I, I'm sort of of two minds of this. It sounds like you were a little more positive. Overall, I liked how this was played. I thought, like I said, all of the dancing show stuff was very fun. Hal and Alice dancing and hosting in the background were hilarious. Um, I loved all the Blossom Maple Syrup ads and all of that stuff going on. Yeah, like, I was a little man. bummed that after a huge Cheryl and Tony episode, the last episode, we didn't get any of that. This was just pure... Cheryl Blossom being goofy, Cheryl Blossom, HBIC, going around town, but funny, so I'm okay with it. But the Betty storyline, I was trying to figure out exactly what they're going for here, particularly because, like you were saying, she's she's sent here for doing this peep show. She ultimately reveals her underwear at the end, and Alice is like, well, nothing I can do about that. Oh, well. You know? So, yeah, but you've broken my heart. Yeah, but you've broken yeah. my heart. That didn't really necessarily track towards the end there, but... I do think what they're going for, which I do like, is the same way, and we're going to probably talk about the Kevin storyline in a second. He's dealing with homosexual repression in the 1950s. She's dealing with feminine repression and exerting her female sexuality. She's exploring feminism through the lens of female sexuality, I think, in an interesting way. In the way that it didn't quite work for me plot lies the last episode setting up the Pete show. I do think that track worked a lot better here for me in terms of where they went up and the way that Lily Reinhardt, like you were saying, played being proud of herself and walking off at the end of the episode. Um, and it should be interesting to follow. I think, you know, they're looking at what was feminism like in 1955 at that point and going forward from there. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I loved all that. Yeah. Uh, why don't we move over to the Kevin storyline? Because that's a big one. Why? Yeah, there were some things that I wanted to uh, kind of talk about here that we were we were kind of jumping around. The uh, I really thought the I agree with Justin that the connection moments were were huge, and the girls' bathroom scene where like Cheryl entered mid. Uh, conversation and picked up right on everything that was happening was amazing and really a lot of fun. It's nice when the the three of them are able to kind of like be in a scene together because the back and forth is always just a, a, a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I I think that the the Benny, uh, what's going on with Betty is is it, you know the Archie and Betty of it all. Like even the two of them when they just happened to be at Pops at the same time was kind of like, oh god, what's going to happen? Tense, but that, sexually yeah. tense, hot, well, cool, I mean, into it. <laughs> it was. There was the way they shot that scene. It was definitely like they're at opposite ends. They see each other. Like, are we allowed to approach each other? Can we talk to each other? Mm -hmm. What happens the last time that we saw each other? Just the two of us, quote unquote, alone. We were taking off of our clothes. So what happens next? So yeah, you can feel that tension between the two of them there as they move towards each other, and ultimately the scene ends up in an entirely different direction. Yeah, uh, which I appreciated. And I thought was an interesting way to Great. go, but. It was yeah, great yeah, to man. see. It's good stuff. 
everyone, or the way Archie was just kind of stumbling through that, like, oh, gosh darn, I don't know if I should tell you, but uh, yeah, that was fun. Well, and ultimately, and just to wrap this up here, I know I, I think this is reiterating stuff that we've kind of said, but the lesson that Veronica was teaching Betty last episode was you're wearing lingerie. For- there it is. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, you're wearing lingerie for yourself. You're not wearing lingerie for the guys. And here is where that lesson, <coughs> excuse me, plays out is yeah. she halfway through the dancing. There's this guy, Troy, who's like, hey, how about we go to Lever's Lane and give me a little peep show? And she slaps him. She's Great doing slap. the underwear thing for herself. She's doing yeah. it for a reason. She is owning it. And that's how she's moving forward. She's understanding that sexuality doesn't need to be just for boys it can be for her as well and for how she's feeling internally. Well, and on that tip, it's interesting, like Veronica is coming in. Betty is like innocent, sort of trying to figure everything out. Veronica comes in as this sort of guru who has it all figured out, freeing her up to do these other storylines like we get with her in the the movie theater here. And I, I'm curious if if she's going to have something that she struggles with internally, because we we haven't seen much of that. She's just sort of making her Veronica style moves. But I, I, I do love her as this guru who's like my favorite words in the English uh, language are uh, uh, look, but don't uh, don't look, but don't touch. Yeah, look, mm-hmm. but don't touch. Yeah. And like so like the Veronica role is is interesting to me. And I, I did love her storyline, but she definitely feels like she's sort of in the middle. She's like <clears throat> her parents almost are going to be her big like. Kind yeah, of thing I that think that's with, it seems like that, that's kind of the thing is like everybody has their stuff that's happening in Riverdale. But Veronica's uh, once again, like her the force that's weighing down on her is her parents, like you were saying, Pete, and they're. Across the country, they're on the other side of the country. But man, that uh, telegram thing is cold. That was a, such a fun like stop. Like put such extra drama on it. It was so fun to have her telegram moment back. Smithers but I was like, reading the telegram was oh, so funny yeah. too. Yeah. Well, here's great. the thing: Smithers can put a little life in the reading. Like, come oh, on, how man. dare Let's you? Let's add some juice how here. This is a high drama. You? Like he's probably you? reading nine, ten telegrams a day. He's not getting, well, he's saying, he's getting paid. He should be able to dance when they want him to. What are you saying right he's now? He's exhausted. He got to a point where everybody was adults, and then they got sent back to the 1950s. He clearly remembers everything that happened. He's like, that's true. Oh, they're teenagers again. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, it does feel like he's the omni- omniscient uh, character <laughs> who's like, I got to wait on their, their teens again. Oh, I like they were grown up. I didn't have to do as much telegrams. I like phone calls better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's very briefly, I, I mean, since we're already talking about the Veronica storyline, like you were saying, I loved just talking about like mixing up the characters, Veronica and Clay, putting them in the Babylonian. Oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, so great. psyched to see Clay work yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very fun. Um, I loved, like you said, the Nicole Kidman ad was so fun. I liked the move oh. of her buying the Babylonium at the end. Um, you think there so, was too many commercials in this uh, in this TV show? No, needs more. No, no, the, more all of them were so good. The Nicole they were, they were ad, good. Kidman ad was great. The yeah. maple syrup ad was hilarious. What, yes, it was. what was it? Cheryl's like, I have maple syrup several times a day. There, it's <laughs> not just for too. breakfast anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's a lot of maple syrup shape on it. 
It's good. That's why there are. All I mean, so that's excitable. why you chug it. It's so delicious. You just mm-hmm. sometimes you got to chug some maple syrup. Oh, great! And another second headband. That's why you chug it. <laughs> I'm gonna put that online. <laughs> never can't have too idea. many headbands, you know. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Don't start to work. I think you work like season. it is more business focused, but I do think season. Veronica has been always very like tight. Like she's been like, I know yeah. what I want, and I'm going to go for that thing. I have problems with the background, but let's move on and let's solve these problems. Okay. So eventually she's going to come on a collision course with whatever it is. It'll be interesting. Reggie is coming back the next episode. So we'll see if yeah. that changes things for her, if we see some sparks there. And ultimately, Hiram and Hermione are coming back to town. And I think that's going to be a big, maybe not capper for her story, but that's definitely going to bring it into focus. Um, let's turn to the Kevin and, by extension, Archie stuff, because this gets to or starts to get to, I think, what KJ Appa was saying in terms of exploring male sexuality, because we do have like a little bit of a misunderstanding between Archie and Kevin in terms of Archie seemingly maybe indicating to them that he's gay without saying it. But at the same time, I he, we know he's not. And we know he's just sort of struggling with like what these feelings mean. But I do think that's an interesting place to put him in terms of watching Archie become an ally in the 1950s unknowingly. And ultimately, I think in upcoming episodes, we'll see him knowingly become an ally. Um, I thought was great. Like it opens up this very earnest character, this very earnest take on the character. And at the same time, you have what's going on with Kevin is so emotional and so hard to watch as he's put through the paces by his father it gives him a friend there who can really be on his side, who's not just Clay, you know, not just yeah. Clay being the one that he bounces off of. Well, and I really like it because he it's something that Archie, based on the portrayal, doesn't seem to understand. He's like he just knows that, like, these people like Frank is wrong. That scene where he's like, oh, I just lost my appetite. I thought it was great, subtle. It wasn't the usual Archie, like punching a hole in the wall, like for something. He's like, I'm mad about that. You shouldn't do that. I don't know. And and instead it was him being sort of innocently approaching. Like, I want to care for my friends and I'm going to do that any way I can. Like in the end. And it's so like sort of goofy when he's like, I want to talk about music plays and movie stars. Uh, And the uh, Kevin and Claire, like, all right, man. Sure. (laughs) He's being inclusive. He's bringing, he's bringing everybody together so that people don't feel like they're isolated in just like the most funny general way possible. Yeah. And that's pretty boss. Boss. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, But it's great. I mean, I think we're definitely going to see, like, I think Kevin and Clay have this silent conversation of Archie's not gay. Right. Yeah. It's all in the eyes. Yeah. uh, All right. We'll figure it out. He's just being nice. We'll, we'll kind of go far from here. And I think it is going to be an awakening when Archie does figure out or is told that Kevin and Clay are gay. And I do wonder if we're going to get a little bit of Archie going, wait, I like similar things to them. Does that mean I'm gay? And I think that's if that's what they do. I I love that idea. The idea that he actually earnestly explores his sexuality, something we never really see on on television, uh, on television, especially this type of TV. is a character being like, let me see what what turns me on or what I'm into. We always see the other side where everyone's a little more defined. So I think this is great. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, overall, that was good. I felt a little weird about the turn with Twilight Twist going from being badass gag leader to being whore that everybody passes around. But I guess it is what it is. Well, uh, that, that scene was interesting. 
Yeah, you don't have to say that. But I do think that uh, I'm ready for a Twyla spinoff. Like, I feel like she's I was hoping like, Twyla was going to be a little cooler with Kev. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, um, it was, uh, I, was hoping- I, I was surprised about that, too, particularly because she kept referring to herself like Yoda in the third person and being like, Twyla, know the score. I do, it was weird, the third person turn for Twyla. That was weird. And just the idea that she's like, oh, I get it. Archie's gay. And you two are gay together. That's cool. I know that. Instead of picking up on it with Kevin in any way originally or being okay with it and then all uh, immediately calling Sheriff Keller and letting him know, being like, by the way, your son's gay and his gay friend probably kind of came to pick him up. A little weird. A little weird. Yeah. But, yeah. but maybe true to the time period. I don't know. Pete, yeah. was it true to the time period? Go fuck yourself. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, not, a of, them there, Hills. not a lot of was old, anybody uh, else upset others? that we got robbed of a uh, Dilton uh, Betty dance uh, scene? Anybody Dilton was mad. Dilton was yeah. definitely Dilton was sad. also yeah. mad. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay, I love how they're using Dilton this season as a fan of the Archie comics. Just seeing like classic Dilton run throughout this. Great. All of his lines are great. Very fun. What other things should we call out here? Oh, I I did want to mention we didn't talk about this at the end of the Betty thing. I don't think this is going to happen. I think Betty ends up working at the Babylonium. That's her next punishment that she's given by her parents. But I felt like there was an implication. Go work with your friends. (laughs) Yeah, go work with your friends and have a nice time at a movie theater. Alice and Hal, amazing parents. The I did feel like there was an implication, though, at the end of this episode that Werther's is considering sending her to Sisters of Quiet Mercy with Ethel. I thought that, too. I thought and that, I, too. I wonder if we're going to get that, like get that sort of that echo would be cool. from the previous storyline when they rescued them. So we'll see. Anything else you want to call out about the episode? Anything else that jumped out in particular? Um, I've got a bunch of stuff, just random moments. Uh, Betty very intensely polishing the silverware at the beginning. I oh, thought it was yeah, really was funny. Fun. Like I yeah. think Veronica tanning in almost total uh, darkness. What well, was the <laughs> lamp that was coming? The red over. light. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. I feel like all of Veronica's scenes are in like windowless rooms, weirdly. And I don't know. Everyone else is sort of doing stuff out and about. And she's just like behind several closed doors. Mm. Um, I thought the basketball Vampironica, practice. Vampironica coming. There it is. What a great like episode nine reveal. She's been a vampire this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> of course she's experienced. She's been alive for hundreds of years. Um, the way that uh, Kevin's brought into the basketball team, the revolving door policy on this basketball team, it's like, what is that? How you plan it? Also, uh, a strategy. clapping, your first, uh, you, you just welcome and you're on the team. You don't even go through the motions of a tryout. There's that scene where he's talking to Archie uh, and he tries to throw the ball in the hoop and completely misses it. 100%. Yeah. Well, he has I, no interest and is not going to never so play. So you can't just walk out. And, I also uh, was weirded out by the line at the beginning of that scene. Archie says, hey, Kev, you and I have been in the same grade since kindergarten. And I was like, that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's really funny. Well, Archie's probably been held back and accelerated <laughs> multiple times. So yeah, you never possibly. know. Um, I like Troy stepping up to dance with Betty, and he's like, my partner has the mumps, so touch my hands and be where my breath is. It's like the <laughs> medical understanding, not mm-hmm. great. Uh, Archie bursting into the room with Twyla and Kevin. How many other doors did he kick open, and what did he see at the time? I uh, would love to see that. The Instead of Norman Rockwell, we get Norman Rockfort, which I thought mm-hmm. was an interesting turn. They're usually a little more 
blank with their twists, like uh, Brad Rayberry. Rockford, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, he's like a French it's cheese. It's like a cheese. That's what you want to wake up with. You want to wake up yeah, with a I, Rockford in your mouth, man. I'm I also, I can't wait it. to hear what Jughead's uh, pseudonym is going to be. So that'll be fun. Mm, I thought they were going to get that this episode. Um, yeah, great that call. would be great. I we got a shout out to the Starlight Drive-In. Uh, they were talking about how TV yeah. is killing the movies. Very, uh, very circular in terms of being on TV. And there was a lot also, of anti-TV stuff in this episode. <laughs> Veronica was like, TV sucks, looking right at the camera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I liked her line, my best to Uncle Orson. Shout out to Orson yeah. Welles, presumably. Um, other, any other lines? Anything? Oh, she, yeah, she says, you know, television makes my skin crawl at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Um, I love I, that they went with the twirl, which is like the twist, but licensable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I love the record scratch moment where like Betty was walking down the hall and then it was like, they've done then, that in like at least three episodes this season so far. They're yeah. getting their mileage out of that record scratch. It's very fun. Well, in the fifties, a hallway walk was like the internet. It was like mm-hmm. social media. Yeah. When I walked down a hallway, I just go all the time. Yeah, And wow. you only walk in slow-mo when you're in public. Mm-hmm. Right, it takes me really forever to, to get anywhere. <laughs> what a diva! Uh, the only other thing I liked was Alice sticking her tongue out at Betty right before. Oh, that was a Betty. fun moment. Yeah, very cute. Yeah. And then she and crushed her heart. Yeah, so that's what happened. And she's going to turn to murder, I think. After that, you think so, <laughs> Alice? Or Alice? 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 Okay. If she hasn't already, I still think we get to see the smoke bad. Brad Rayberry's definitely dead in the next episode. 100%. But I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. They got a lot more episodes to go. I mean, I guess not a lot, a lot. They have 13 episodes to go. Uh, that's all right. Jughead's going to be on the case, man. I'm feeling good about the yeah, milkman so. going down. Well, and, and to get back to it, what you were saying about like Betty on the case, I, I think if Betty gets back on the case, I think we're still a couple of episodes away from that at this point, because she's on a whole other journey on a whole yeah. other thing. I think we still got Barchi, not even, bubbling in the background but the foreground it's right at the front of the stove well they gotta yeah. they gotta kind of like be in the same room so they can figure out it's more brother sister love than you know oh the, yeah that definitely get a lot of brother sister head, energy which is the real you know betty and archie. did you just call betty and archie brother sister love yeah the sort of brother and sisters that get sexually well, they they're, 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 they're not they're, they're friends and they've been through a lot together but i don't know you know ridiculous. what i mean ridiculous yes you're uh-huh. a ridiculous person Let's move on and talk about the MVP this episode. Who was the MVP? Who MVP'd? Take it first. Who MVP'd? Uh, uh, we have to go with Betty. It was great to see her uh, ah, having some back moments. Betty beat. And, uh, you know, uh, her in the principal's office was a boss level, so it was great to see. Yeah. Justin, what about you? Who was your MVP'd? In lieu of giving it to Betty, I will give it to Archie, who I think is having just a great season Move back to the center of the show. He is uh, sort of the innocent avatar for us to get into this time period and realize there's more more problems here, and he's the hero that uh, Riverdale needs. I'm going to give it up to Kevin in this episode, like we always talk about. Yeah, where is right. Kevin? You know, sometimes he's disappearing for episodes at a time. So to get a really good, meaty Kevin story is Yeah, we got a Kevin up. Yeah, Casey Cott absolutely killed it. I will say for the record, I would love to have a Kevin episode that isn't just about him dealing with gay trauma. That would be nice. Maybe a little joy. Like, I'd love to see him explore whatever the gay scene is like with Clay. Maybe they bring Archie along. We talked about that a couple of episodes. Maybe he writes a play and a bunch of people are murdered at it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Great. What a dream. Something like that. 
it's interesting but, you say that because I actually think Clay has gotten a lot more of like just like what he who is he and what is his life mm-hmm. in this episode specifically. He's like I want to you know he's into movies. I love the Clay stuff with he and Veronica. So yeah, um, bring Kevin well, in on that. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin start the production stuff company. too. Uh, but very happy to see it again. Casey Cott really brought the emotion in this episode, so that was great. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Pete, stop picturing me with that headband. <laughs> it's too much. I can't stop. Okay, you ship it, Duckhead, okay, baby. <laughs> <laughs>